0: Welcome to the Hollywood Editing Mentor Podcast. My name is Joaquin Elizondo, and I edit films and scripted TV shows in Hollywood. I created the Hollywood Editing Mentor Program to help aspiring editors start or advance their careers in post production. I don't have any training and coaching or some fancy degree in psychology. I'm just a guy who is relentless in pursuing his goals and wants to help people do the same. But I didn't achieve happiness and success in my career alone. Throughout the years, I've come across some amazing people that have offered valuable advice and guidance. That's why I created the Hollywood Editing Mentor Program to help people navigate the path to achieving their career goals. I've been in your shoes and gone through the same struggles. The challenges and fears on this journey are real. And I want to tell you, it is possible. Welcome to episode two of the Hollywood Editing Mentor Podcast. Thanks for being here, thanks for listening. We got a great show for you today. Talking to an editing team consisting of editor Rita K. Sanders and assistant editor Aaron Wolf. They've been working together for five years on some great shows, such as The Magicians for Sci-Fi. You and the Chilling Adventures of Serena for Netflix and CW's Batwoman. They've built a great relationship over time. And Aaron has had the opportunity now to co-edit a couple episodes while working with Rita. And so today we're going to get some insight into how a working relationship is between an editor and an assistant editor. So check it out here on episode 2 of the Hollywood Editing Mentor Podcast with editor Rita K. Sanders and assistant editor Aaron Wolf. Rita K. Sanders and Aaron Wolf, welcome to the Hollywood Editing Mentor Podcast. It's great to have you here. How are you guys doing? How's your summer going so far?
1: Hi. Hi. Really good. <laughs> quarantine yeah. summer. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. I still have to ask, you know, I mean, I'm trying to get away from just obviously being talking about quarantine and everything. I mean, you know what? Let's let's, let's try to think of it as much as a, as a normal summer as we can, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah. No, I like that perspective. That's much better. I think better for our mental health, too.
2: <laughs>
1: Definitely.
2: I've been, I've been fighting with the new version of Avid on my home laptop all summer. So oh, how is it that? feels like work uh it's a constant struggle
0: really okay i i I, i'm still stuck in like 2018
2: oh i yeah i wish okay
0: okay (laughs) that's the next project i guess
2: i don't recommend
0: but okay uh so you you've so i guess i'm trying to find out how do you describe yourself you 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 work together you're a you're a team but is it are you what would you say is a a, a title if you want to give one Editorial team, a creative uh, partnership—you know. Oh wow! I've never thought of that.
2: Yeah, just we're friends. (laughs) All of the above. (laughs) I mean, I I do say Erin's my longest-running relationship.
0: Okay.
2: Uh, You know, Uh, I don't know. I mean, I like to be really specific when I talk about Erin and I working together, and I don't like to say that she's my assistant. I like to say she's my assistant editor. And often co-editor because it's just assistant editing is a real job. It's an important job. And I think it deserves that um, respect, you know, to not say you're my assistant because you've never once got me coffee. I don't think.
1: Maybe. (laughs) Maybe (laughs) just just for fun.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Maybe like mutually uh, reciprocal Starbucks runs. But other than that,
1: you know. In fact, I would say that Rita has more often brought me coffee. Yeah, just just out of the kindness of her heart. Right. But but I think the uh, the longer that we've worked together, the more I feel it's become a partnership. Or you know, just feeling like I can talk to Rita about anything on a personal level or a professional level, whether that's literally what we're working on in the moment or just advice for me about navigating my career and stuff like that. So so I definitely feel on both the creative and personal side, our relationship has developed and blossomed over the years.
2: Yeah, I think partnership is a great word because it is so very much like I feel like we've set up this machine this like well-oiled machine this this well-oiled process and um, it's like I could not do my job for one hour without Aaron <laughs> so yeah
0: I mean it seems like you do have a really strong relationship you you simply look like you get along really well you're like friends I mean you can tell yeah. it right away
2: oh yeah. yeah I was thinking about this after we talked which is that like Erin and I have worked together for five years. She she's the human I see the most out of any human in my entire life. Um, but like I don't think, Erin, is this true? Have we ever socialized outside of work that wasn't a work function? I don't.
1: Um, we have gone to lunch before.
0: <laughs> I'm glad we you guys go do go eat together. Like,
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean her you. We like that didn't. I think we've talked about work related things in those settings, but um, I just want to clarify that I certainly would like to hang out with Rita outside of work, even
0: if she's putting (laughs) out. You heard it here first on the Hollywood Editing Mentor podcast. (laughs) I
1: I think that, you know, since Rita and I are lucky enough to work together so often and see each other so often just on a regular working basis that it's not that I wouldn't want to see Rita outside of work but just because maybe we do spend I don't want she this to so come much off the wrong magic. way yeah <laughs> No, now I feel like the biggest jerk because I
2: didn't have a point about
0: that. But now I feel like jerk. Oh, oh, man. The, oh, call, called, called you out right here. I <laughs> no, no, I love I, it. I love it.
1: <laughs> I think that if a time were to come where Rita and I were not working together on a normal basis, that I certainly would make a concerted effort to see Rita at least semi-frequently outside of work for just regular social functions uh, and get togethers.
2: Yes, exactly. Like eventually when we, when Erin and I divorce and she is uh, editing on a different show and I'm editing on a different show, like we will certainly be uh, getting together, showing each other cat pictures, gossiping, <laughs> talk about the Swift, like, it will...
0: So you have a lot yeah. in common, for sure. <laughs> yeah,
2: I mean, we do and we don't. Like, I feel like we have really different personalities, but also, I mean, I'm always so happy to see her and spend time with her,
0: you know? Yeah. yeah. That's, that's great. I mean, that's essential to our jobs, right? I mean, like, it just makes it so much better when you are working with someone that you really enjoy having around. I mean, I think that's the important thing about having you know, uh, an assistant editor or, you know, um, that you really um, want to be there, like hanging out. Like it, t- it t- turns like not even like it doesn't even come work necessarily. It's like you're kind of hanging out making a show. <laughs> I mean, yeah. to me, at least from my experience.
1: No, I would totally agree
2: with that. I did have a point to that question. <laughs> 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 I just want to say that. You know, I love spending fifty to sixty hours a week with Aaron. We don't see each other a lot outside of work because we see each other so much at work, but that you can have a wonderful, loving, caring relationship with your editorial partner and you that doesn't mean you have to be their best friend. you know it's not a marriage it is a working relationship, even though I joke about us divorcing. It is not a marriage it's a working relationship, and it can be fulfilling and and uh even emotional, emotionally um, intimate. <laughs> but that doesn't mean like you're not failing if you're not best friends with your editor or your assistant editor, that's all.
0: But it's great, obviously, it's, it's great that it's worked out for both of you. I mean, you were working now together for five years. Um, you've worked on uh, shows like The Magicians for sci-fi, Chance for Hulu, uh, You and the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina for Netflix, and most recently, Batwoman for CW. Um, all great shows, uh, but I want to know, how did, how did you actually meet? How did you come together as a team?
1: My resume was passed between a few people to Rita, and I got, I don't remember if it was a call or an email, contacted by Rita uh, to come in for an interview for the magicians, and I was very, very excited about it. When I left the interview, I felt like we had a really great conversation and could jive well in a working environment. And I just left thinking, I really, really hope that I get this job. (laughs) I had a really good feeling about it.
2: As did I, we met at a coffee shop. And um, that day I had met, I think four assistant editors. And there was another assistant editor that I liked you know, was as qualified as Aaron. Like I thought both of these people would be great, but literally Aaron and I talked about cats and she (laughs) laughed at my jokes a little bit (laughs) before. and I was like, that's, that's the person I want to hang out with. (laughs) Oh yeah. (laughs) I was like, she's, I'm going to have more fun with her. So
0: (laughs) yeah. You know, I often it's funny you say that because I, I often tell people like, for example, like on their resumes to put like a little at the bottom like a section like kind of like that says like other interests or hobbies because it you know and then like it it says first of all a lot of things about that person right their personality but you never know who like what you're going to connect over right i mean like cats or whatever uh, you know golf or anything but it's because eventually it's like you're looking i mean of course you want someone especially if you're looking for an assistant editor like obviously you want them to do a good job but you do want to connect with this person build a relationship Yes.
1: Yeah. And sometimes it only takes one thing, like cats, and you're in. (laughs) So it's
2: often said that this industry is based on relationships, you know, and that is so true. Is that I've never gotten a job from a job posting, and I wouldn't probably hire someone from a job posting. I would want personal recommendations from people I knew. So. Um, so first of all, it, you know, it's, it's not LinkedIn. It's a hundred percent networking and personal relationships and, um, also never wear a suit to a job interview in the entertainment industry, unless you're, a, unless you're an executive, maybe you can wear a suit. Yeah.
0: I mean, I, you know, I gotta admit, I'll, I'll say it right here, especially you bring up the, you know, what to wear. Like I, I think initially when I got to LA, I I, I think I was overdressed for my interviews and I realized, and I don't know why it hit me. And I'm like, you know, I think I'm over, I'm overdressed and I think it's affecting, uh, you know, in, in me getting jobs. And then I toned it down. I mean, I wasn't wearing a baseball cap and like, as you know, as I do now and like shorts or anything, but I'm just saying like, you know, maybe untuck my shirt and, you know, just a little bit more relaxed.
1: Yeah. That took me a little while to, I think, grasp as well. And once I started working more, I realized that everyone around me in post, you know, does dress like somewhat casually, you know, which I think is kind of nice. You can just wear jeans or whatever to work and be comfortable. Uh, But... But yeah, like just sort of learning how to dress like the people who already do, who are in the job that you want, I guess. And maybe the only way to find that out is to ask someone's advice, you know, what do you think I should wear to the interview? Or what do you think I should wear to the office? But, you know, somebody who's been in it, I'm sure could pass that info along. And then, and then, you know, yeah,
2: I mean, my just as a practical information, when you know when I interview it's usually with a showrunner and producers and so either I'll wear like jeans and a t-shirt and a blazer you know so it's I'll put like either a blazer on or I won't wear the blazer and I'll wear my most expensive shoes (laughs) like my fanciest shoes so I'll try to put one thing on that says I am a professional you know but will subsequently always be in jeans, you know, with
0: a t-shirt. So. I completely agree with you yeah. about the shoes. Yeah. I think shoes really stand out. I am, I, I, I get it. I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> I telling I, I, I don't want to get about shoes, but I'm just saying. I'm I, 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 I mean, glad yeah. you say that because it, it really does stand out. I mean, I've had people say that, like compliment shoes. It just, it just catches people's attention.
2: It really does.
0: Talk about the initial stages of you working together. Um, how did the relationship or the, the, the partnership evolve? And, you know, say from the beginning, like when you're trying to figure out, say, Aaron, how Rita likes her project set up or, you know, it's setting up a workflow um, and to simply just communicating, say if you were asked to watch a scene, you know, talk about those things and how did it from the beginning, how then they evolve over the next couple of years?
1: So in the beginning, it was definitely... Me learning how Rita liked everything set up in the project and um, learning what color markers to use and how to set up the bins, um, where to put music, sound effects, everything like that, um, what tracks set up to use. Um, And then I want to also tell this story about how I learned more about what Rita was looking for, from me, just on a time management level as well. Um, so there was one day I was working on dailies. I tended in the beginning because this was only my second scripted show. And I still was learning the most efficient way to do things. Um, I would watch dailies at full uh, normal 24 frames per second speed and learned that that was really not the most efficient way from a time management perspective to do it. Um, And one day after maybe about a week or so on the show, Rita came into my office and gently suggested that I use double time or triple time to scrub through the dailies and have the markers set up and that, you know, that was perfectly fine and just making sure that they're in sync at the beginning of the take and, and the end of the take and that that was good enough for her. And and that changed my life <laughs> as an <laughs> assistant editor. I was like, wow, I can get through these in at least half the time. And now I have so much more time during the day to focus on sound effects and music and, you know, just, doing more of the job that, one, needed to be done, but two, it gave me more of an opportunity to really put a lot of effort into designing, you know, and that was a fantasy sci-fi show. So we were creating a lot of what these magical realms and sounds really sounded like. So it was really beneficial on a show like that to have more time during the day to focus on building that world from a sound perspective and and I mean that's just one example of how time management is really effective and important but but on that show it really was so so thank you Rita for (laughs) for
2: letting me know (laughs) well and that I mean that brings to mind that like You know, I had been assistant editing right before The Magicians. So this was a real bump up for me. And I remember really consciously thinking about how I needed to communicate with my assistant editor and how, you know, she couldn't read my mind and how to be clear on what I wanted, but not be a jerk about it. Because I had been an assistant editor so recently, and I had worked for jerks who wanted me to read their minds. So, like, you know, that's an example you know the Aaron gave of the how to get through the dailies like she couldn't know what I wanted until I told her and it and i and 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 I you know, if I came in and said it to her gently, it's because I know she's not a mind reader, you know <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> yeah i I've always appreciated Rita's communication. I mean, I just think that, right. yeah. I think she's really nice about communicating things, you know, but still effective in getting her message across. So, and I've learned being her assistant editor, I've learned how to take that sort of communication to if and when I have an assistant editor, you know, and and just pass that on, learn like what works for me and then, you know, keep going with that in the future. And then once I really did learn how Rita liked everything and how to best use my time during the day, I think that that has opened me up to just just being able to take on more responsibility from Rita as well. Um, Like at a certain point, Rita would suggest that I take a scene or two from the episode to cut because maybe I got all my sound effects work done for the day or all the dailies done for the day and I had this extra time available. And so I've just been able to build on the skills that I had starting out and also just going from an assistant editing to an editing learning I guess and I've been able to do more editing with Rita and now we've co-edited a few episodes where maybe I've taken closer to half of the episode on some of those and and so there's only more learning to be done <laughs> <laughs> but
2: I think you know um, I think that's a great point that you make Aaron about how <sighs> You were so good at your job as an assistant editor that I knew I didn't have to worry about you. You know, we, we worked out our process, we worked out our communication. And then when I knew that you would still be getting all of the work you needed to be get you needed to get done as an assistant editor, that I could start throwing you scenes and that it wouldn't interfere. It wouldn't make my life harder. It would actually just make my life easier you know, if you were cutting scenes. And I think that's a great tip to people who are working as assistant editors do wanna move up to editing is like, you cannot let the assistant editing job slide when you're given the opportunity to cut. You have to still keep both of those going. And I mean, it was so easy to trust Erin with that. And every time she cut a scene, it was just easier the next time and easier the next time until, you know, I was like, hey Erin, you want half an episode? (laughs)
1: yes please yeah (laughs) and I would say the same thing if your post producer comes and asks all the assistant editors something like we need someone to cut the gag reel you know who has time for wants to do that I would always recommend that you say yes to that because even though it's, you know, the gag reel and it's maybe just going on, you know, the special features of the DVD or something, you know, that's an opportunity for you to be cutting, to show the producer and editors that you're working with that you want to cut and can cut. And, you know, maybe the showrunner sees that and the showrunner can see that you've cut and like, wow, that was like really good, you know, like, so just, Having any opportunity, even if it's not something in the actual episode, I think is really valuable to take up on. You know,
0: Erin, congratulations on your quote. It's obviously uh, you quoted on you, the chilling adventures of Sabrina and Batwoman. What did you learn about editing from Rita?
2: Sorry, I nothing. just want to think about this for a second, Erin. <laughs> I will say that Erin learned nothing about editing from me. I'm gonna take. I'm gonna. I'm gonna interrupt. I know you didn't ask me this question, <laughs> but um, you know, I really lucked out that I think Erin is like an exceptionally talented editor. And even when she was cutting those very first scenes of magicians for me, you know, I tried to make it very clear to her. And also this was very easy to do because she was so good. I tried to say to her, Erin, I'm not teaching you how to edit. I'm teaching you how to edit like me because the show has to be cohesive. And, she was just naturally very good at it, you know? And so the notes I would give would only just be about mimicking my style. They weren't like, this is how you edit a scene, because she already knew
1: that. But I would like to say that I really like the way that Rita edits. <laughs> and I think that, you know, the showrunners also really like the way Rita edits. So anything that I have picked up from Rita, from in editing perspective, I think is only positive. (laughs) And, you know, the scene when I started off just doing like maybe a scene or two for an episode, and I would, you know, once I was happy with the way that my first cut of the scene worked, I would, you know, show Rita and, you know, she would give me any notes that she had. And she would also always explain why she had a note um, which I think really helped me understand how to edit better and like how to think about things in a different way than maybe I had been before. So so I think now when I've done on the episodes that we have co-edited and I've done more of the scenes, I definitely have picked up on Rita's style or fused it with my own in a way that I think I would continue to carry on with whether Rita and I were still in that working relationship or not.
0: How did you know that Erin was a good editor?
2: I mean, her scenes made sense. They flowed. I could understand why she made all the choices she made. Like Each choice felt deliberate and on purpose and was adding value. You know, but uh, it just might not have been the choice I would have made, but that doesn't mean it wasn't valuable. So yeah, I mean, it just God, I mean, I can't describe my style of editing. I can't describe Aaron's style of editing because to me, it's just like, oh, you just do what you do, what feels, you do what the show needs. You cut it how the show needs to be cut. And, you know, if you are coming into a show that has other seasons, either as an editor or an assistant editor, absolutely watch those other seasons repeatedly. If there's a pilot, if it's a first season, watch that pilot three or four or five times. Like, watch it just to think about the music. Watch it just to think about the sound. Watch it just to think about the pace. Um, And I think once you go through that exercise, you'll have internalized Uh, what that show needs. Mm -hmm. I think I watched the pilot of The Magicians eight
1: times. And also watching the other episodes that the other editors are cutting like on your same season too. It's a good idea. (laughs) Uh,
0: Absolutely. (laughs) Rita agrees. (laughs) Yes, I
2: was making a lot of hand movements. Steal ideas from other editors. Absolutely, you know? That's that's okay, right? Well, okay. I know this is a story. I knew one editor once who would hide his cuts so no one could see them. And I think that's a little cuckoo because as an editor, I'm happy to share any of those cuts with anyone working with us uh, so that they can steal from me and I can steal from them and we can use the best ideas and we can all get on the same page. Because right. uh, the, the objective isn't to be the best editor on the show with all of the best tricks. The objective is that we're all making the same show that feels like one show.
1: Right. And also from a practical perspective, let's say that, you know, our episode has a flashback to a previous episode, you know, you have to be able to go back and see yeah. what that looked like. So just to like literally be able to take the same section and have it work in your episode. so absolutely
0: so i mean it's, it's it's very clear aaron that you can you, you you can edit and you know you have a couple co-edits can you both talk about then the the, the process of getting that co edit? because it's not just about sure you you can edit you can do it and then you have co-edits and now you just become an editor there's many other things involved in this process i mean especially with politics and you know can you just give a little insight into the process of getting simply a coded and then what that means then to then to get bumped up to editor?
1: I would say that it took me I wanted to make sure that I had established a good relationship with Rita and a good professional relationship with Rita for I want to say it was me well the first time we co-edited was on an episode of the chilling adventures of Sabrina. And I think if I remember correctly, that was about three years into our working relationship. <laughs> um, I wanted to feel like I had really like done a good job, like working for Rita up to that point that I felt like she trusted me and um, I had talked to a couple of other assistant editor editor friends of mine to kind of get some advice about if they thought, you know, we had been working together long enough to approach Rita about a co-edit or, you know, if there was anything else I should take into consideration and and so basically once I felt like I had that established good relationship that you know, the worst Rita could say was no (laughs) to me asking for that opportunity. And so, and I read a, nobody is a mind reader. So like, if I don't, Put it out there that i'm interested in doing that i can't expect her to just out of the blue say hey would you you know like to co-edit something i mean maybe that would happen but you know you can never expect that so i asked rita if she would be comfortable co-editing an episode on chilling adventures of sabrina And that was also a long enough running season where I felt like there were enough episodes because it was 20 total between the first two parts. Um, I felt like there were enough other episodes that we had already had under our belt who were about halfway through at the time where it felt like it might be appropriate to ask Rita and also to ask our post-producer because that was the first time I had worked with that post producer and you know, she only knew me for those few months. So, um, so Rita was kind enough to go to bat for me. And she said, you know, I'll talk to her and like, hopefully she'll say yes. And Rita was very open to co-editing with me. So then Rita talked to her. She said, yes, there may have been at least one other person in the um, totem pole that had to sign off on it, but luckily everybody did, and we were able to co-edit our last episode of this season together, and it was a great experience. (laughs) Yeah. I learned so much.
2: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that was also the first time I saw Erin sitting in the chair and working with a director on that episode. And I just remember just like sitting there watching Erin work while I'm on the couch and just thinking like, oh, she's nailing it. Like in the like working with the director space. I was just like in in my mind, I was just going. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but like I'm like putting on professional face, you know, but just like she was just nailing it working with the director and I was like she's doing the thing it was great yeah I was uh, so
1: happy I, I remember that day very well so I think that you know that is a very different experience and headspace that you have to get yourself into where I've pretty much always been used to just being in my edit bay by myself and I can take as long as I want to sort of work out my decisions for the edit in my head but it's different when you know you're sitting with someone behind you and talking things out with them and everything and just being a little bit more on I guess and so every time that I've had the opportunity to do that either with the director or with the showrunner you know I think that I've learned more and more each time and just gotten more and more comfortable each time. And that's something that you only get experience from with the practice. So I don't know. It's sort of hard to explain, I guess, like what came first, the chicken or the egg? Like you need experience to get experience. So, um, So I think as much time as you can spend working directly with the director or showrunner as the assistant or co-editor is like really valuable and just makes you more confident each time you do it. A hundred percent.
0: Erin, did you, did you, or do you even now, like do you work or have worked on uh, say side projects where you edit and you get to practice more?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I have. Um, I have a good friend that I've edited a few short films for him, and we did a feature for him about two years ago. So that, you know, I do get some experience, at least like full on editing in that regard. And I've worked on a few other side projects in the last couple of years, but But yeah, so that's another thing I would say, as an assistant editor in particular, if you can always be looking for those side projects just to keep those skills sharp, <laughs> you know?
0: Totally. No. Yeah. I mean, that's, why I, I think, um, it's important that as assistant editors that we l- do go out there and look for, um, ways to practice. Right. Cause then you're suddenly, that's like that opportunity is going to come out out of nowhere. Suddenly like one day they're coming Hey, can you help me out? Or, you know what, I, I'm, uh, your editor is like, you know what, I'm working on another episode, I'm swamped, uh, you know, can you take over some scenes? And then, all right, let's go, you know, yeah. <laughs> let's do it. So it's like, you know, you have to be ready for that opportunity. And so the way to become more ready is, is simply to pre- flex those muscles or you just practice with techniques or whatever it is outside of your day job. Yeah. And be, you know, proactive in, in doing that.
1: Yes. And there were like some months where I would go to work, you know, for nine or 10 hours, and then I would come home and work on, you know, my friend's movie for like three or four hours before going to bed. Even if it means that maybe you're not sleeping as much for a little while, that it's good experience to still be doing those side projects. And I mean, still get enough sleep so that you can do your job well during the day. Definitely get enough sleep. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, you know, I would have weekends sometimes on the feature that I was working on with my friends where I basically was working on editing like almost the whole weekend and maybe for months doing that. and. I did miss out on, I guess, like some social stuff or just relaxing. But at the same time, you know, I was doing something that I really loved doing. So it didn't really feel like like a negative, I guess. And we were making something that was meaningful to us. So.
0: You brought up when we were talking about the co-edit, you brought up, you know, communicating that to the post-producer. Uh, Can you talk a little bit about, first of all, what is a post-producer? And also, then how does that person come into play when, say, getting a co-edit and also just simply getting hired on a show?
2: So in scripted television, a post-producer is often called an associate producer or maybe a co-producer or uh, just a producer. (laughs) (laughs) But they are uh, in charge of the money and posts. They're in charge of the schedule and posts. They're in charge of uh, the budget. So they are not technically the bosses of uh, the editors and assistant editors, but they are, they get to control our lives a lot. And they do have a lot of say in editing. I'm sorry. They have a lot of say in hiring assistant editors. Uh, They have less say in hiring editors and the reason that they have more say in hiring assistant editors is because your assistant editor is working not just for the their editor, but also for the post-producer and the post-supervisor. Like That job is very much split between uh, having those two people have needs and wants and desires and claims on your time. When we did our first co-edit on Sabrina, I knew that I wanted to ask the you know because I had the conversation with Aaron. I wanted to ask the post producer uh if she was if she was okay with Aaron co-editing with me and I had to wait for a good time and I just remember going in and saying this is what I want and Aaron is working incredibly hard and she's incredibly valuable and that was an issue, and the post producer was in complete agreement So I just said, this is what I want. And she said, I will run it up the flagpole or the totem pole, so to speak, and let you know. And then a week later, she said it was good to go. So I don't know who she had to ask or what she had to do, but um, Erin had to make her needs and wants known to me. I had to make my needs and wants known to the post-producer. And then someone somewhere signed off on it. (laughs) But that does... Yeah, but that does also mean because of union rules that Aaron needed to get paid as an editor, which is actually why, I mean, the question of why do you have to ask the post-producer is because it's gonna affect the budget because they have to now pay two editors for that episode. So that is why you have to ask them. Um, and honestly, if they don't like the assistant editor, they're going to say no. And if they think the assistant editor is amazing and wonderful and does a great job as everyone thinks about Aaron, they're going to want to say yes and they're going to want to find the money in the budget.
1: It's definitely about balancing your time as an assistant editor and making sure that everyone's needs are being met. And sometimes... There's a lot of different tasks in a day that you might have to prioritize or multitask or just get done, but it's about prioritizing and making sure that both your editor and your post-producer, post-supervisor feel like you're attending to what needs to be done. And sometimes that would mean, like, let's say Rita had like five things that she needed done and the post supervisor also had five things they needed done, ideally all in that day, it might require me going to Rita or to the post supervisor and saying, hey, just so you know, like I do wanna get all this stuff done and ideally done today. I think realistically, this is what I can get done today. And, um, you know, just in as... Professional way as possible, like present that, so that hopefully they can then make the executive decision about taking something off your plate for that day, and maybe like, oh, okay, that's fine, we can push that till tomorrow. Which has definitely happened on several occasions. So,
0: Rita, you brought up um, this idea of uh, like getting hired on a show is is a perception problem, right? It's like. It's like, sometimes it's like, I mean, maybe you have to kind of trick someone to hire you, you know? I mean, this, I guess, goes more for maybe for someone trying to transition into scripted television. Uh, what are, what does that necessarily mean? And, and and also, what can someone do? What are some strategies someone can apply in their journey to transitioning to scripted television? Whether it's be, you know,
2: yeah, I guess it's more about how
0: you present yourself, right?
2: Right. And the, the perception problem is that it's a thin line between coming across as confident and knowing your job and knowing uh, exactly what needs to get done and not being cocky or annoying or uh, uh, what's it, overbearing. So yeah, so the perception problem is how to come across as both likable and incredibly professional, even if you don't totally know what you're doing, even if you're not completely the best at your job, even if you don't have all of the scripted experience the post-producer would prefer you have. Um, And the reason it's a problem is because I can't explain to you how to do that. No one can tell you how to do that. It's just trial and error and... Uh, and being incredibly uh, observant uh, when people are giving you feedback or giving you advice or interviewing you.
0: How do you teach someone that? Is it even possible?
2: It's impossible to teach someone how to play the Hollywood game or the entertainment industry game um, of being just fake enough to be likable, but not being so fake that you come off as a douchebag. Um, Why? Well, I- <laughs> The more you network, the more people you know in the industry, um, the, the more you can start observe how they act, observe how the people who are successful act versus the people who are always complaining they can't get a job, really paying attention to that and asking yourself, I have this friend that always complains they can't get, find any work, but I know a lot of people who are working. I wonder why that person isn't working. And then maybe notice how they're treating people or how they're coming across.
0: Exactly. I mean, that's why I, again, it's like, I don't tell, when I speak to someone uh, and they ask me for advice, I, I, I give them the disclaimer, you know, don't, this is how I did it. You know, uh, is this not the way that you, maybe you should do it? But learn by example, just learn by observing and take uh, from experiences from different people. And like I said, especially look at the ones that are successful and also compare the ones that are maybe not, Like you said, are getting those jobs and see how, you know, what, is, why is someone getting jobs and why is someone not, you know, but it's more about observing and then uh, applying, uh, or coming up with your own strategy, um, to either break in or also advance in your career.
2: And also, um, the most, I, I think at any stage in your career, but especially when you are beginning, or when you're trying to transition from one job to another, I think the worst thing that you can do is take everything really personally. Because for example, I met with four assistant editors the day I decided I wanted, wanted to hire Aaron and they all would have been fantastic. It was just, Aaron was the one that I got along with better. And it it didn't mean that they weren't great. That the, the other candidates weren't fantastic. Um, If you take things really personally, if you take rejection personally, if you take honest and well-meaning criticism and feedback personally, you are going to poison yourself and you are going to poison the people that are around you and they're not going to want to be around you. So just remember, don't take it personally. There's a lot of reasons you won't be hired for something or won't move up as fast as you want to. Um, And you just really need to keep the perspective. Uh, Otherwise, you will burn out so quickly
0: awesome well that's it's 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 great advice i mean it's 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 something that you know i definitely talk about and and i'm just glad to hear that you know it's we all share the kind of the same uh, thoughts and 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 like to share the same advice you know i mean uh and it's you'll see that it's very common uh throughout i mean people i mean i mean i hear people saying like yeah you don't have to i I hear the same things from people like yeah well it's just it works you know it is you're getting uh insight from people who have been successful um well i i i thank you uh for being here, I, I, this was awesome. I had a lot of fun. I do want to ask uh, one last question, and I guess this would go to, for both of you. Is you know, Rita? First of all, is Aaron ready to be a full time editor? And Aaron, are you ready to be a full time editor? Yes. <laughs> 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 and, uh, and why?
1: <laughs> well, I I think that I have, you know, gotten a lot of experience already as an assistant editor, and in tandem with that as co-editor on a few different episodes. And I've observed a lot, I've learned a lot over the last few years. And Rita has been an amazing teacher and mentor and friend. And I I feel like I'm ready to take that next step as long as, you know, the opportunity and position are both there, you know? And I hope that they are in the somewhat near future. Yeah. (laughs) Even though I would be very sad at the same time to (laughs) no longer be working directly with Rita in this way. The day that Aaron gets bumped
2: up... Bumped up. I'm gonna cry in happiness, and I'm gonna cry in sadness. Like I will be an emotional wreck. <laughs> and I'll just, I just have to go home early because it's just so intense. I can't take it. Um, that's how I'm gonna feel. But no, I mean, Erin has nothing left to learn. I think as an, not. I mean, we all have something to learn, both in life and in the creative, creativity we bring to our um, jobs. But there's just nothing I can teach her, right? She's cut... On three different shows, she's co-edited three different shows with me that are vastly different styles, incredibly different types of shows. And she's nailed each one. She's got the hard skills. She's got the soft skills. And I am trying to scream it from the rooftops to our post-producers that we know and our showrunners that we know to be like, can you do yourself a favor, showrunners, and hire her? But uh, No one's working now anyway. (laughs) I fully plan to get rid of Aaron (laughs) as soon as I can, but in a nice way.
1: (laughs) So I just wanted to throw in that, um, this past holiday season, Rita wrote me a very nice card and in it she included saying, Let's make twenty twenty the year that we break up <laughs> in the best possible way. Of
0: course. Oh, yeah. yeah.
1: But I I just feel really lucky to be working with and have been working with you know, somebody who really believes in me so much and who supports me so much and not just in words, but actions. And and I just feel really grateful. <laughs> Hashtag blessed. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, the sentiment is exactly the same
2: because um, I was terrified my first season of The Magicians and it turns out I had the most incredible partner to help me out and Aaron's made my life and my job so much easier and so much more fun for five years. And like it's just we've both benefited. We've both I think we've both been really lucky. And I um I cherish you, Erin.
0: Oh, the feeling cool. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh man, I feel like when, when, when you do get bumped up, I feel like I'm going to get emotional as well. Like I feel like, it's like, it's like
2: we're going to have the biggest party, you're know, right.
0: uh, but you're obviously, you, I mean, Aaron, it's it's going to happen. You know, Rita, it's cheering you on. I'm cheering you on. I'm sure a lot of people around, are, you know, your coworkers and your friends are cheering you on. So it'll happen and just keep doing what you do best. And it, you know, you'll, it, you'll, you'll get there.
1: Oh, well, thank you. That means a lot. <laughs>
0: Awesome. Well, it was great having you on the show. Uh, it was really fun. And I, I can tell that you really have a strong relationship and you make a great team. And so that's awesome. And uh, thanks again uh, for spending some time with me here. And, uh, you know, I just, uh, I, I wish you the best for the for the rest of the year, for the rest of the quarantine. I hope we can get back to working soon.
1: Nobody working. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: No, exactly. I, I do too. I do, I do too. But
2: it. it- it was such a pleasure to talk to both of you and thank you so much for having me and us yeah thank you
1: Joaquin
0: so fun talking to Rita and Aaron here on the Hollywood Editing Mentor podcast thanks again guys for joining me Uh, I wish you the best of luck on your next show Uh, You have a great relationship and it was great to get some insight into how you guys work together. All right, guys. Thanks again for listening to the second episode of the Hollywood Editing Mentor Podcast. Make sure to subscribe to get notified of all the future guests, all the future amazing guests we'll be having here. uh, So stay tuned. Also, if you want to know more about the Hollywood Editing Mentor program, go to HollywoodEditingMentor.com and sign up for the email list to get exclusive content exclusive offers through the hollywood editing mentor program sign up for the list at hollywoodeditingmentor.com my name is joaquin elizondo the creator of the hollywood editing mentor program thanks again for listening i'll see you next time